XR Podcast. All right, welcome to the XR Podcast, uh, where we explore realities and what modern events, things that are going on in reality. Uh, and today we have a very special guest. Uh, please go ahead and introduce yourself. My name's Karim Malitsky Sanchez. I am uh, the guy that started the Five R's Festival of International Virtual and Augmented Reality Stories back in 2015. And we're in our fourth year now of the VRTO Virtual and Augmented Reality World Conference in Toronto, which is actually going to be in three and a half days. Well, that's crazy. That's absolutely historic, right? Like to be, uh, first of all, right, to get started in like, 2015. And I still remember like the old 5Rs t-shirt, right? And like the, it's all getting like faded now as the memories of, of the original time. Uh, but but like, right, and, and if you look at literally this year, man, and, and this fest, uh, this VRTO, uh, t- this like in, in coming weeks right in 2019 you look at the quest coming out you look at like there's always been this vr buzz right but but this is this week especially i mean this is almost like the the as far as we've seen kind of like the pinnacle right like what how what are you thinking about this yeah um this year my show you know i think about every year like what is the kind of driving force right now what's the zeitgeist like what is the pulse? And you can't know that a year ahead when you're planning the thing. You know, you kind of have to intuit where things are going to be 365 days from now. And this industry is so volatile and um, as it should be. I mean, it was like coalescing out of the ether. I mean, there was people that have been, you know, you know, Lex, the people have been doing this all along, 20, 30, 40 years but this was a new kind of a cluster and and I, and it was kind of coalescing really rapidly and the thing was that there's this legacy that VR has you know there's a lot of old blood there's a lot of old baggage there's a lot of um academic research and philosophy and all of this other stuff about it and and you can go back to McKenna you can go to like Leary you can go to I mean, hate Ashbury <laughs> depends on how far back you want to go, but, but, and, and then you can go to the military side. But the thing is that somewhere in this last five years, when the Palmer Lucky phenomenon happened, Carmack came in, when Facebook took it over, when all of a sudden, you know, we had the Valve and HTC thing running in parallel, um, it became a kind of different ball game. And, and even though some of that came from the old guard, um, halfway through, there was this transition where it was a new kind of society. There was a new kind of language. There was new ethical conversations and social conversations that were that came in and said, "Look, this this is a new a new rise of a medium, and we're going to make sure that this time the conversation is good and that and that everybody gets included." And you mix that up with contemporary video games and GPUs and cell phones and new kinds of pixel density um, 
And and not just that, but like the other things that have changed in the last 15 or 20 years, like the DIY culture, the fact that we can take off the shelf tools now, that we have things like Unity and Unreal at our disposal and that indie games had like this golden age that they, they exploded. Um, then you realize like we're not just talking about VR and AR in the traditional sense. And it isn't the same baggage that it had. It isn't the same thing that was in the 80s and 90s. It's completely a new thing. And we just have the same name for it. So true, right? Oh, man. And you're really hitting on a lot of these points, right? Uh, but what we're experiencing now is... I mean, first of all, it's, it's such a, uh, a unique, right? Like a uh, uh, DIYers and and kind of like uh, like super nerds, right? And if you look at now, even uh, like if you ask the ordinary like person off the street, uh, have they tried VR? Like it's still a a fifty fifty toss up. Like not everybody has tried it, right? And you started talking about like Timothy Leary, right? And um, kind of the the originators of expanding what consciousness, expanding what is uh, the kind of like what is the norm, right, of society. In a Western psychotropic sense, of course, because oh, people yeah. have been trying to expand consciousness since the beginning, right? <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Like, this is our access to it, right? The access for, like, the Western common uh, person, right, without having to... Uh, and that's the other side, right? It's it's an absolute shortcut, right? Like, you can literally put on VR on somebody and change their outlook, right? You could blow their mind, which is, I, I mean, that's huge. Blowing somebody's mind is not to be... Um, not to be taken lightly like that's a pretty massive experience i mean from right. emotional to uh wow factor to like and we've all tried like richie's plank where you actually feel fear when you put on a vr and you walk on like a regular two by four on the floor uh and so when you're making a conference right you you're almost uh you you so many hats for you personally right like curator right like you have uh, you have an a kind of an ethos. You have a theme. Uh, what is it? Like a thesis almost for like how you envision uh, the show specifically. I know this is like uh, you're involved in a lot of things, but I know that it, in terms of timing, like this is the thing that has taken uh, probably like front and center on your mind. Uh, talk talk, talk oh, a little yeah. bit about like what is that like? What is what have you uh, what have you seen like? Because you know everything has to have like a catchphrase. Everything has to what differentiate from itself, right? Like every even VR experience has to uh, have a, a title uh, and and do something um, kind of special. So talk about like uh, what is your vision? Like how do you see? Um, how is your personal like? Right. The interesting thing about VR is like you can make any world you want, right? Like, you can start from scratch. You can make a uh, video, like, uh, you know, video, uh, video, regular video game, like, with guns and shooting. You can make some kind of uh, really um, zen experience where you're, like, floating around on clouds. It's totally your choice. Like, you have full control of reality. Um, and that's kind of new, but uh, on a bigger scale, on a more kind of real-world scale, you kind of have that at a, at a conference, right? When you... Uh, create a conference whether it's like from a meetup build up to uh, uh, anything right you, you're you're kind of the people you invite in um, the the people you reach out to um, and kind of the the environment you you make right it's very much set in setting um, so tell me a little bit about that man what's your vision how, how did that evolve and um, what, what is that like man? yeah thanks for asking that question because it's 
it's all I think about. Um, and I think from the beginning, um, I, I wanted to come at this from the perspective of what it felt like when the internet was being made publicly available and then accelerated. You know, I was 17 in 1992 and I was, oh, maybe I was a little younger than that. I don't even remember now. Mm -hmm. I could probably do the math, yeah. but <laughs> um, <me> <laughs> I was like, I was like 16, you know, and I was like in my basement all the time, uh, talking on IRC and Veronica and Gopher and mm -hmm. Archie and all of these like totally text-based monochrome screen systems and probably on my 386 desktop um, that, you know, took four hours to turn on. Mm -hmm. And I remember when I first saw Mosaic and Netscape and they were like graphical visual-based browsers and we were, you know, we all know the story. But anyways, within those five years, between the first time I saw video QuickTime playing in Netscape in 95 till the dot-com boom in 2000, um, there was this moment and you had people like Douglas Rushkoff and you had Are You Serious and you had the Electronic Frontier Foundation and you had McKenna and all these guys meeting in San Francisco, you know, in the Valley and they were doing these conferences about the cyber world and Bruce Sterling and William Gibson. And they were talking about what it would be and what it would mean. And Eric Davis wrote the book technosis based on all of that. And it was this like spiritual Gnostic complex, um, you know, meta world that we were all going to go into and like hack data. And it was all this romanticized cyber future. And then, the paywalls started to come up and people started to kind of corral it off and cordon off sections and say, now it's five bucks. And, and AWOL, uh, AOL started to kind of, AOL, <laughs> Freudian slip. Anyway, they, they kind of started to like, you know, everything was monetized and then, and, and that model actually started to eat things up. And if you can believe, I mean, and I said, man, like the last thing that should happen to the internet is to let sort of like the powers that be control the sandbox. So back in like 2013, I think Indie Game Reviewer, which is my game journal site, mm -hmm. uh, got uh, the DK1 and we reviewed it and we were totally blown away by like the super low poly. Uh, well, it wasn't that low poly, the Citadel demo that, had, you know, that was running and we were completely mind blown. And I thought, oh man, I can see what's coming and we have to get in front of this as fast as possible and give this out to the punks and the kids and the artists and, and the counterculturists and give them like a foothold right now with these tools right now and let everybody who can get in, get in before it starts to become the same old funnel. And we didn't know then that Facebook was going to buy it. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's good that a massive funding source with major distribution came in and there's like this bizarre discordant tension between it's how Facebook has evolved and how it's used and big data is used. And I'm not going to get into that whole rabbit hole. We know what that means. Um, and also that it's basically able to subsidize, you know, the release 
of a of, of an object like an Oculus Quest, which is like a five hundred dollar tetherless device. It has beautiful onboarding and interfaces, and anybody could pick it up technically right away. Mm-hmm. You needed that thing, but I am not interested so much in how fast will these things fly out the door at Christmas time, and how much money can I make from this, and and all of that. Actually, I'm actually interested in the part that keeps the wedge open for voices that are not familiar, that don't control the conversation, to feed the conversation. And really explore, like, it's always about being able to zoom back out again, right? To the mm-hmm. 30,000 foot view, to the 100,000 mile view, and look back down on this little planet that has this kind of creature that has activated itself mentally to all of the other versions of itself and is creating this like larger meta consciousness. And, okay, so the internet did that thing. I mean, dragonflies do it, but they've been around for millions of years, so they've had time to evolve. We haven't been around for so long. And I, and I, I go, okay, so the internet was a thing. I mean, that was only 25 years ago, for Christ's sake. And then the next part of that is now we have this way where we can transmit not just language-based ideas or even 2D um, ideas, but we can now, like, spatially express concepts and we can add scale to that in a way where we are processing that with our vestibular, our galvanic response. We've got our um, positional tracking, you know, points of departure, digression. We've got the sense of personal space and like what and anonymity you've got all of those game states that like multi-user games afforded us of like who are you really versus how you appear to be and so let me get like let me just come down from the clouds for a second like you know on the one hand it's about being able to constantly remember what the actual thing that's going on here is and not get lost in the consumer commercial weeds which can become so blinding sometimes out of that just frustration of like, where's the best profit margin, right? That's Mm -hmm. the definition of what VRTO is for. But like what's actually going on in VRTO this year is amazing. Like it's my dream show. It's the culmination of all my efforts and everything I've been exposed to and all of the people I've been fortunate enough to learn from and all the books that were thrown in my path. And... I'm sure, you know, I never know if there'll be another year. I don't know what's going to happen, but I know that for these three days, I have Douglas Rushkoff coming to speak. He's going to do his first live taping in Canada of his new Team Human podcast series, which is about human beings in the age of hyper-accelerated digital takeover. I'm going to have Blake Harris, who's the author of the book, that was entrenched in the time that Palmer Lucky was being bought up by Facebook to tell that story. I have Amelia Winger Bearskin, who won the million dollar Bloomberg Prize last year for her AR kit that she developed and is also the creator of the International Stupid Hackathon. I have a panel on esports that asks the question of like real dyed in the wool hardcore professional esports gamers. Like, what are we going to do about this VR thing now? Like, esports is not about 
VR. When you hear this six months from now, you're going to be like, of course it is. Not right now, it's not. <clears throat> right now, you've got Beat Saber kind of like chewing up the sort of remaining VR arcades. You've got people at home talking about Beat Saber. You've got a couple of... We're talking about one game here, right? Mm-hmm. Things like Spark or... Um, or the other sort of AAA sort of sports types games are not exactly like taking the world by storm, even though they're cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so the conversation in esports is like, well, esports is a multi-billion-dollar industry. They took the game thing, which is already massive, like dwarfs all of the other entertainment industries, and then they added arenas around it and massive sponsors you know you've got these kids like cheering the names of the sponsors at these shows and you've got the twitch effect on top of that so you've got you know thousands and tens of thousands of people watching these live streams and even making financial contributions as they tap the glass to watch the goldfish move all (laughs) compounded in this effect and then you say to yourself well now you have an oculus quest and you can pop this thing on and you can run across a football field if you want and this thing is going to go into a whole other meaning when you talk about esports it's going to become like a physicalized branch of of this phenomenon that's just one i mean i could literally talk about that for an hour it's really the future, man. I mean, you're really capturing it, right? Like, and you talked about uh, you have uh, Blake Harris who uh, wrote like, the history of the future, which is like in this VR uh, XR circle is is huge, right? He came out with the console wars a, a few years back, uh, and really like talk about the history of Sega and like the uh, that battle, and then he and then he really covers like Paul Merlocky and Carmack and uh, literally the what is this? What is this state? of vr right now and and why is that um like how is that reflected on on the the other stuff that's happened right like and you mentioned um like the aol right for the internet how crazy is that though like if you think about when you're uh you know like a, a real uh kind of hacker nerd on on like irc's right and like uh what was that uh with those uh um, BBS is right like uh, getting like the, the basic like you're thinking this is the internet right and then they break out with with this disc this like little floppy disc that they threw they freaking sent to everybody like people had stacks every of these, household yeah they're using them as coasters like it was the running joke you would format that AOL disc and use it for whatever you wanted you know everybody had an AOL disc uh, but then you know that's America also and you got everybody that deserved or didn't deserve to be on the internet is also is right there and that's kind of how uh what the internet kind of grew into and you have to you have to give it a little bit of credit and then the same on that same generation like on those same sort of discs came doom right john carmack's big project where uh at some point uh, what like Microsoft executives were saying that there was more installs of of uh, Doom shareware uh, on computers than there was of like DOS or Windows or something like that, uh, and then that created you know this this legend of of oh I can make a video game I could make it really popular the concept of shareware the concept of sort of like subsidized distribution right let me get it out there let me get people to taste it to try it. And then they're gonna go full in. Like I, I, I believe in this so much that uh, I will, I will like, 
I will sacrifice to get it to you. And then hopefully you're going to love it as much as me. And like, that was the concept of, uh, like, if you look at even Palmer Lockie, um, or especially in, um, uh, Blake Harris's book, right? The way he portrays him is absolutely that man. And, 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 uh, kind of, if you think about selling, uh, Oculus to Facebook, like that decision was, was a few chapters in that book. Right. And they really went into, um, like, uh, what is the ethical implications of, do you sell this to a corporation that will get it to the masses one way or the other? And what happens to, uh, like, you know, it was it, in that book, it talked about the hate, the hate he got from, the, you know, yeah. the hacker community, the DIY, the, the, the indie gamers. Right. And, and that's, that's very, um, I don't know if it's prolific, but it's, it, it definitely is a thing. There is a thing where, uh, we, we are, uh, there's, there's like the makers, right? The, the weird, the, uh, like essentially what the people that are going to stay indoors on a sunny day to program the games that you want to play. And it's, it's a mm-hmm. sacrifice, right? And it creates a mm-hmm. certain lifestyle, a certain community, uh, a certain, uh, niche community, right? A certain like alternative side community, uh, where, and at the same time, like as a developer, I've always been inspired uh, by uh, when I make something and then my friends enjoy it, right? That, that instant gratification uh, that you really only get from that inner maker community, right? You're not going to like just run out to the middle of the street and be like, hey, try this VR. You're going to go to your friends that already have some of this hardware. You're all like excited about the hardware at the same time because you know you're going to be sharing uh, content, right? And content in this case is f- f- straight reality. I mean, f- as close to reality as has ever been possible uh to the point where i mean just a slight uh i mean like it's it's getting very close to what what we kind of talk about like uh simulation theory right and i mean that's that's a lot of the stuff that uh your conference specifically like there's so many conferences where they get into uh kind of like oh this is the architecture and construction application for the hololens and you know this is what the uh like the um subject matter experts are going to be sitting back there and guiding you to how to fix this HVAC unit. Um, yours is, is so different, man. Yours has a very, a very, a uh, real to the creators, right? Like a very weird kind of like, this is what making VR is very much like, right? Like, um, and talk about that. Like, talk about how you got into that community. Like, what did you have that? Did you have that fork in a road where you were like, oh man, I could just be an accountant right here or I can, um, you know, go with this, did you, or do you like constant, because I feel like even a lot of these conferences too, right, you could, I mean, you could at any point sell out, right, you could just be like, hey, let's make this a straight Microsoft conference, and everybody gets Microsoft napkins, and, and, you know, you get a Microsoft in your pocket and stuff, and you're like, that's, you get to choose what VR is, you get to choose, not just VR, but like, by, by, taking the reins of this technology by bringing creators together you're you're essentially defining what reality is for uh at least a digital reality which is is just as impressive if not more impressive than a real reality which you know you may have less control over like tell me about that man tell me about that little like inspiration well you hit so many different beats in that um there's a couple i mentally noted i wanted to address like the thing about palmer and Facebook and that decision. Um, all I want to add to that is, uh, I've been really inspired this year. I've said this a couple times by this book Derek Thompson wrote, 
called The Hitmakers. And he talks about in that book, you need um, a couple of things to have like massive level success. I don't mean like local community success. I don't mean like a one hit wonder. I mean like you change the culture. You are part of somebody's, you know, teenage years or whatever that is. And there's like this combination of a massive distribution backbone that you somehow get onto, you hop on it. It doesn't necessarily mean that you got signed to a record label, but that helps. It could mean that you got retweeted by Justin Bieber, right? Mm -hmm. It could be that you got spotted by Kanye West or whatever the case might be. That's part one. Like that's like, uh, what's your name? Uh, Car Carly Rae Jepsen, Jepsen who had that big hit because Bieber retweeted her or the 50 shades of gray novel that got posted on, you know, Instagram or something, but it was like a fan fiction about twilight. And that's the second part of it. The second part of it is that 10% of the thing, um, people want to be surprised and, and astounded and amazed by something, you know, you wake up and you're like, what, what new thing happened? What in Spanish, they call it la novedad, the new, the new thing. The news, right? We forget what that actually means, the news. Um, and yet we do it in our kitchen, drinking our coffee, having our ritual. You know what I'm saying? Like you don't want to be suddenly waking up in like a peat bog in the middle of nowhere and have some news. Like right. that's not the experience we're looking for. We want to have surprise, titillation, wonder, and astoundment, but we want it, astonishment, but we want to have it within our wheelhouse. So – that's why this show this year, I kind of decided that the theme was like recalibration. We've come to this, like an AOL had exactly, you know, to the, your point about AOL. And yes, props to them for pushing the commercialization of the internet into households. Whether they put good things or bad things into our minds is always up for discussion. But the fact is, if they hadn't, then we wouldn't really have what we have. You know, we had CompuServe and GeoCities and people who were trying to figure out this thing, which is today like alt space and high fidelity and and whatever else, right? So, but the thing is that AOL was that massive distribution thing. They they pushed it and they pushed it and they spent the money and they and they and they took the cost, they took the hit, and they subsidized that necessary sacrifice to first put it in front of people. And that meant anybody, any house you lived in, any income bracket, any age, any interest, it just – it was in your mailbox. There's something to remember about that. It wasn't just the people who were in the know, who had somebody you know, in the valley, who they were buddies with, or who could afford it. So those are two things to kind of note, right? And the other thing is it's like VR is a lot. It's like – God almighty, people are still freaking out about how to use Gmail. It's 25 years later, and people are still like, I don't know, man. I don't get this internet stuff. Son, can you show me how to open my Gmail account? Like, it's been a quarter century now. Well, to be fair, so, Gmail is like, it's is, is got a lot of features. There's keyboard shortcuts. Email, it's, it's you know what I'm talking yeah, about. You. People freak out about email, right? Oh, but you know so, something VR, interesting. Oh, good. No, yeah. no. Oh, you're talking about like you know, like you're at the breakfast table, right? And you want that news. You want you want to be wowed, right? You don't pick up the newspaper and 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 like 
let's see, like sports scores that are all zeros, right? You want something that's like mind blowing. You want it. You you want something that's different than yesterday. I'm, I'm like you're saying. You don't want to wake up in a in a jungle bog and and have that much difference, right? <clears throat> but then you have uh, like VR might just be that. Might just be that. Um, that uh what is it that perfect balance where you have full wow factor uh in a in a kind of a pocket size in in a in a, uh, a, a sh like a bite size way where you can just take it off and continue with your world essentially like the ultimate drug if you will right the ultimate mind altering experience where you can go from you know uh sitting at your breakfast table um, or you want to, and, and there's something very human about like the synapse uh, firing, right? That like, oh, wow, that, that news, that, that new, uh, that, that new uh, uh, synaptical connection, right? That, that new way of thinking, that, that epiphany, if you will, right? And you can do this. You can put this on your face and five minutes later, you have the epiphany. You can, you can be uh, emotionally moved. You can, you know, take in a huge amount of information, and then five minutes later, you take it off and you go to work, and uh, you can just, uh, you know, essentially transition between worlds like that, man. And that, uh, that convenience of that, it, I mean, it, it very much is kind of to the internet, right? And like, you know, and, but Lex, isn't yeah. it kind of nice right now? that that is exactly what it could be. Like, I mean, there's a thousand different digressions on what you just said, but like, just the core thing is, isn't it nice that you could even think about, you sit at your breakfast table, you could put on VR and it could be whatever you like. It could be a dinosaur. It could be, you're flying in a paraglider. You could have a fantasy vacation. But that's how the internet was between 1993 and 2000. You know what happened after that? That's when you would then put on, the equivalent would be then you put on your, your thing, right? Mm -hmm. Like in 2005, what happened after the dot-com crazy gold rush was the speculation thing, you know, when everybody was spending billions of dollars, there was nothing to show for it. Never mind that part, the part right after that, where you had like Friendster show up, right? And then MySpace, and then you had Facebook. And now that's the part where you put on that headset in the morning, and before you get to your dinosaur or your fantasy adventure, or your data visualization hobby, you have like 18 ads first. And those ads are targeted right at you. And those ads have been learning about you for the last 20 years. And that AI and that machine learning has only got one interest, which is the last 5% about you that it doesn't know. And it's gonna do things that are gonna have you react so that it can figure out when do you not react predictably so that it can continue this feedback loop and have you down. And then somebody else can come in and pay for that and say, well, I'd like to do this thing to that person and have them create this outcome and result in behavior. I'd like them to put $5 into this thing or that thing. So let me manipulate precisely what they see before they get to that beautiful desert sunrise, right? Sure. That sure is the next thing that could happen if some of us don't keep it real. 
Oh, it's super scary, right? And uh, literally in the last episode, we talked with uh, Jerry Lanier about uh, with with literally making it so cheap, right? The the VR, the headset, getting to four hundred, and then two hundred, and then one hundred, and then you know, next thing you know, it's just ad subsidized or whatever. And then with this ad subsidized, what is it really doing, right? Uh, and he was talking about literally AI and uh, what is AI? And is AI uh, a way of of cheapening? Um, cheapening your experience right turning your experience like you're saying you know acting unpredictably that unpredictability is you that unpredictability is 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 the thing that makes you human like if you look at the matrix uh the original one the the looking back at the girl in the red dress is what separates you from the machine uh and if they if the machine um which which at this point right can 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 mean anything it could be any amount of uh human computer conglomerational um entities but this machine this corporation this um entity if you will um once it learns what it is to be human has it taken that from you and like do, do you fear that like you know and that's the same kind of fear as you look at palmer lucky uh had this you know, it happened to him. I mean, it's not even, it's, it's completely realized. He had his dream Borg. stolen, right? Absolutely. The Borg, right? This is this is prophetic. This is not the first time this happens. This happens every time. I mean, it's almost like, do we not learn all this? And do we build this ridiculous amount of R&D, this creativity? Um, You know, we put sleepless nights behind, you know, uh, working with, with, you know, teams to, to do the impossible, but then somebody just copies it, right? And then we have kind of the same thing happening uh, on, a, on a global scale with, with China and IP and stuff. Um, but well, all know, of this is kind of like a, a tick. This is like a hangover from this old invention of progress, mm-hmm. which in itself is like a, is a massive topic that goes back to, you know, before the Industrial Revolution, how that notion of like, you know, the GDP is like the most important metric by which we measure our success. And, you know, that's a trap. It's a trap that we're in. And now you starting, I don't know if it's on your Facebook feed, but my Facebook feed at least is now just constantly throwing me stuff about, you know, because I'm into this, like we have to stop single use plastics. We've got to stop all of this like excessive use of plastic for everything. Use it once, throw it away, you know, just like AOL discs, use it once, throw away the whole freaking disc. That's that's a whole um, manifestation, and that and that notion of always climbing forward, 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 like that this moment, this now, this here, this breath, isn't enough. That there's something to achieve. That there's something to aspire to. Is kind of a like a an artifice. It's a compulsion that was inseminated in that we never really shook off, right? And I want to give some credit here to Rushkoff, who has basically been this like digital harbinger, media harbinger for for the last few decades right i grew up on this guy in media class like he mm-hmm. at a recent talk in la um, around team human was talking about the signal and the noise and he said that you know that ai and i was drawing on him when i'm talking about that ai learning the the, the last you know little gap is trying to shave off those anomalies those that part that you said is the human part that looks back at the red thing going by right and it's trying to get it so that it's perfect and consistent. 
And he said, but the thing that's going to save us is the signal. The signal is that rising up to the note. The signal is the anomaly. That thing that is unexpected that comes in from the left field and you go, oh man, like, you know, we were compounding on a bad algorithm, on bad data and going faster and faster. But then this thing that was totally unexpected came in from left field. And that was the thing that saved us, right? And that's the thing that the, that the AI is trying to basically inoculate because it wants abject predictability. So again, my interest is in the signal. My interest is in the anomaly, in the mutation, in that unexpected thing. I remember when I was a kid in school, I don't know how this got in front of me. I was in third or fourth grade. And there was this poem about, you know, dinosaurs with green cheese teeth and and plugging things into wrong sockets to see what lights up or what blows up. And I that's just always stayed with me. I mean, you know, don't go putting your fingers in sockets, but sometimes if you just try things in strange combinations, you find a kind of an ecstasy and you you might just slip between the cracks of habituation and and um, indoctrination and see a moment of the truth. And then if you can kind of remember that the process of going to those unexpected places was like, then you can expand the amount of times that that happens. And then you can kind of bypass the evolutionary filters that humans use for survival and remember that what you feel and what you perceive truly is an actual illusion. And that sometimes the way to save yourself is to remember that and get outside of it. And also, it's a way to help and be there for other people, right? That there's things that they might be saying that you completely don't understand, that you didn't expect to hear, that you weren't interested in knowing. But if you learn to shut up and allow things that are unexpected to just merely appear around you, you expand your entire experience and who you are. And now it should be a little clearer from my point of view, precisely that language, why I'm in VR. Because I'm not in VR for VR. I'm not in VR for headsets and machinery and distribution and ROI and being seen as some kind of techno soothsayer. I'm in VR so I can understand how our senses work as humans and how what small moves it takes to completely override our sense of time and place. And if I can understand those things, then I won't be enslaved by those things. Sure, that's hugely profound. Uh, and like if you think about uh, how, how most people, right, you go through your day and there's very, um, very not autonomous, but yeah, very much the same re repeated actions, right? The same um, kind of groove that is like, yeah, you get on your train, uh, it's going to be whatever, 15 minutes, you know it's going to be this time, uh, you get to work, you always get the coffee here, and by getting into VR, um, you basically change that, right, you change your experience, and you can change it in the meantime, you can, like, change it without 
actually getting off the train. Like you don't have to get off the train to experience um, like life uh, from the perspective of somebody in South America or someplace where you you're physically uh, completely remote from, right? And right. Uh, or for that matter, you don't have to be. You could experience life from the perspective of an alt right neo Nazi, and that's the other problem that I had in the early days with this whole idea of you know uh, VR is an empathy machine. Empathy is not some sort of common, always positive thing. Empathy just means to see something from another point of view, right? Mm-hmm. So I could put you in a horrible mindset and have you feel like, wow, now I understand that point of view. It's not. <laughs> always a positive outcome, right? You have to be cognizant of that power. Um, I did want to say, I don't want to hijack your thread, so please remember. This is perfect. But I do want to say that like, when you're in VR, there's another interesting element, which is that you are encapsulated, right? You are prone to the outside, you're prone. Now, um, I'll get on the point of why the Oculus Quest I think is so successful, but it's also like we now live in a multi-screen society, right? It's very hard to sit and watch a TV show without looking at your the entire freaking time. Um, and the idea is that with AR and stuff, you'll be able to watch TV and not look like you're looking at your phone because all of the HUDs and the overlays will be right in front of you on your glasses or in your contact lenses or your implants or whatever. But VR is kind of like a full attention all at once whole body thing, which I think is really interesting. It's like, it's kind of like a commitment to the space that you're going to. And in these early days before we do have like your phone tapped into the, the conversation and you have like all of your news tickers and lower thirds going on over top of your VR experience, there's kind of this beautiful purity to it again. It's like at the beginning of VR, I was like, throw everything at them, man. You can blow their minds. But actually I thought reality has got so much fidelity and detail and complexity and entropy maybe a cool thing for VR to do would be to take that out and just kind of go to like this completely reductive space where you are just in a simplified state and kind of present with yourself. And I don't even necessarily mean in a meditative way. I just mean like in a focus way, like take 45,000 things out and just leave like four of those things. And now look at that thing. And I think of Ian Bogus's book, Phenomenal, uh, alien phenomenology, the experience of being a thing, right? And when I think of five R's, I was like, well, what is narrative in in VR space? I thought, well, early days, everyone wants to have this like storytelling idea, storytelling, I'm telling you this story. And there's that's not to take away from the power and the importance and the craft of proper storytelling and what it can convey. It's a kind of condensed code of complex ideas, right? Just like a song is only three minutes, but it can take you deep into a notion of romance, of excitement, of of whatever, with just eight lines of, of, of language. But, but I thought, but in spatialized medium, how do we treat it as its own intrinsic medium? One that is, if it's a if it's a new medium, that means it's not like another medium. It's not television. It's not radio. It's its own medium, and so. 
the, the setting itself can can create that narrative. You infer from place what you bring to that place and your gestalt, what you bring to that, then that relationship of you and how you perceive those things in a place start to create that narrative in a kind of self-reflective way. So I said, like, look, Five Arts isn't about wowie zowieing people with a bunch of 360 experiences or a bunch of interactive walkthroughs. It's about in each of those experiences, unique, well, unique is an over and abused term. In each of those experiences, finding a very interesting new way to explore what the possibilities of spatialized means and allow the medium to speak for itself. And in doing that, if you actually sit and think about it, or you sit with it for a while, it'll actually make you do that with yourself and with your real life and stop running with this kind of wallpaper of reality beside you as you run to your grave, right? Mm -hmm. Seeing how much crap you can collect along the way and then instead like stop and just sit in a parking lot and just look around like long enough that how those lights are shining and how that fence was put up and how the grass came up through the cracks in the pavement is kind of everything. And that if you could have that moment for only 30 more seconds, how much it would mean to you. And to me, this medium at this moment is a way to explore that. Now, to the Oculus Quest thing, it does a few things. It's got pass-through cameras. So then now you have this combination of the out there and the in here. And it allows you to be mobile and not so prone. You're not just at the whim of whatever's around you. You're not going to crash into a coffee table or have people take pictures of you if you don't want. That's a big thing. And it's also you know, able to understand and remember certain zones that you've been in, these sort of favorite places. And you can move yourself from one environment of play to another environment of play. So it doesn't always have to be that you have to go all the way down to the basement or all the way up to the living room or whatever. Mm -hmm. You can have this kind of flexibility. And with multi-user, you can have multiple people in there right with you in the same room, quickly pick it up, pop it on, and they don't have to worry about the 386 computer booting up and if they have the right GPU and everything else, it's self-contained. So after these five very short years, which of course built on 30, 40 years, um, this rapid development has created the first really good encompassed iterative product that brings in the best of what we learned. Oh, for sure. And the so it's yeah, not just philosophy. It's also the fact that that design and that rigor and that iteration and that development and the learning that comes together with the other thing. That's absolutely true, man. And and they really know how to um, uh, preach to the choir because every, every VR nerd that I know has been giving them all of the free advertisement that they can handle right now. Uh, and it is it is definitely good. It's good hardware. And like you said, you know, the, the hardware will always be improving, right? And we kind of ride in that wave of hardware. Uh, but like you mentioned, uh, really VR experiences, right, from the software side are that moment right are um you know and they the, the range and the diversity the uh, the spectrum of experiences uh i feel like that almost you know mirrors humans right like you know you know some uh everybody has some friends that are like 
uh, really laid back and just like, wow, look and experience this and sit back. And some friends that are, you know, 100 miles an hour, uh, you know, always doing stuff and then everything in between, right? And almost like the... Uh, the, the, the way I see VR, right, and the the creation of reality, which we could do right now, just moving around pixels, it's, you know, really democratized, really, you know, not cheap, but yeah, but pretty cheap. It's pretty cheap for making realities, like for having God abilities, pretty, pretty cheap. Uh, and, you know, so it's, it, you know, we have this, uh, then you have, are we capturing the moment of, uh, the, the, our favorite people like is is that what we're trying to do by this are we um you know like if if you give uh Salvatore Dali a VR if, you know what moment will he make right um and and yes. essentially like right now these creators right this when you curate um some works right when you're like hey this is the VR that I want to show some people you are finding what your favorite people that can give you a moment of them all right so um well tell me tell me about uh like from five hours uh curating all that content to uh to now like are there uh or is, is there going to be like um a, a content showcase uh at vrto yeah there's a a beautiful little showcase that came together um this is the first time we're not going to have like the so-called five hours summer preview at VRTO. And that was because like in the old days, we would, the old days, we would um, take a couple of pieces that we'd accepted early and we'd show them at the show. In fact, this year is the first time we're not going to have a separate exhibitor pass. And the reason is because this year I want, and you know, people said, Oh, they're not doing exhibitor passes anymore and everything. I said, look, there's nothing about this show that's immutable. Like the way that it is now has nothing to do with the way it's going to be next year. It can be a whole other thing next year. It's not like when you go to the big shows in Vegas and it's like everybody just kind of wanders in like cattle. They know exactly where the, you know, the mm -hmm. fish wraps are at lunchtime and like where booth number 74 is. Right. Um, hey, I'm not dissing it. I go to those shows. I get a lot <laughs> out of those shows too. But what I am, and I see you at all those shows. So see, that's just a good reason to go right there to find but, each other right to find like the yeah, like-minded people in in the crowd of cows right but you know, i mean you you have <laughs> nobody's a cow well, everybody's I mean, fine i'm just uh, saying sometimes we act like them sure sure and i, I didn't mean to actually call people cows that's, no you that's, did i was just <laughs> I, i'm just saying but it, let me finish the point so about five bars in the content right so anyway i i was digressing so the thing about the content is like this year we have some people that are in the show and they're gonna show some of their work. And they, they're there for different reasons. Like we have a track about volumetric uh, capture and like an interesting piece, I have Sarah Vick from Intel Studios coming to talk about the Intel Studio capture stage, which a lot of people don't understand. They didn't understand how you access them. You don't understand what Intel's looking for, um, you know, how to interface with them. And so I invited her to come and help to explain that and to also kind of hear from the rest of the community. And then on the other side of the spectrum, I have independents like um, Occupied VR who went to the, to the holy city and they, and they captured uh, different holy sites in volumetric. So you can now kind of be in this, this, this tomb or that wall or whatever other place um, and feel the presence of that. 
which is something that last year uh, Philip Plow um, and uh, and Brenda Colonna explored with a piece called In His Presence, where you were sort of sitting in the presence of Christ and and meditating just to see how that impacted you, right? So mm-hmm. so we, we have a piece this year called The Choice by Tribe of Pan, where Tom Hall and Joanna Propinska um, have been filming interviews with women who have to make difficult decisions about reproduction. And the challenge in the technical side is that like, like a Werner Herzog piece, you have to shoot people on the fly. You don't know what they're going to say. It's not scripted. But at the same time, you're capturing massive amounts of data because it's volume, right? So Tom has been developing this method for sort of doing on-the-fly compression and also like where they are so efficient in, in the beginning to the end of the interview that all of these machine parts and things that have to be used don't distract or unnerve the subjects. So I thought that was an incredible tension to explore and how you deal with that workflow. And so this piece, The Choice, which we'll be showing, is, is, is so many things and, and beyond its already complex subject matter, which is so timely. Um, so as you can see, like, you know, these pieces touch on geopolitical questions, religious questions, sociological ones, health ones. Um, but at the same time, they're not just only deal. It's not just the interest, not just the subject matter, but how challenging it is at this stage to capture that subject matter and to, you know, how do you finance these topics? How do you distribute these topics? How do you get people to watch these things? Um, in a way that, you know, and some of the answers are you, you get schools to, to fund these things educationally if they can stand behind the, the subject matter. You might have museums, etc. but then how do you democratize it and so on. Um, so all of these things come into play when we're, when we're curating. I mean, in the early days of Fiverr, as I said, the criteria is, does it demonstrate a unique mechanic? Does it demonstrate a unique uh, technological approach to the subject matter? Mm-hmm. I am um, I'm pondering all this, man, because it's 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 huge to um, uh, make these choices, right? You have you know so many people uh, dying to like make an impression, to get those laurel leaves, right? Uh, to get like, oh, look, my stuff is better than everybody else. It's pre-validated by uh, these festival and this festival. Um, and, you know, you've seen that in traditional media too, right? Uh, but what do you think about um, kind of like when you imagine an attendee, right? Like you, you imagine what would you imagine um, their state of kind of mind coming in? Like, you know, you right now you're probably doing all like the advertising and putting together like, oh, this is what we call this track and uh, let's, yeah. you know, uh, approach this demographic and see if like eSports, they're just learning about VR. How do we even uh, hit them up and, and get them over here like ahead of time before it's too late? Um, what do you see as like... Tell me the, the the attendee like what is that what is that mental profile like and what is what is it like before in the middle and after like how do you imagine how do you picture because you you're absolutely affecting somebody's like reality you're you're leaving them with a lasting impression 
uh, of the future in most cases, right? Like when you're looking at this, this is very much like the, a CES without uh, the multiplicity, without the duplicity, without like, oh, this is the same fan that has an LED on it that like turns into hologram. Okay, like you know, this is this is you have something that is 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 new and unique and like it literally has that spark that like that that human element. Like this is not a a roboticized or churn. Uh, puppy mill of VR, right? This is like uh, real human. Like this is has a real, um, uh, a real labor of love aspect to it. So, like, tell me what is what is? How do you imagine you're attending your own conference, right? Um, and you're like this little um, baby you, right? And you're like uh, seeing this cool VR for the first time. How do you imagine it? Like, t- tell me even about the venue, like. Uh, you know the whole experience like how does how does going through you know getting a ticket what do you see on the page what is uh what is your first day like do you show up early is it like a a 9 a.m keynote or is it 10 like what is what what are your thoughts and like how do you imagine uh like the experience being of, of coming to view from the show? outside yeah i mean i'm i'm always i'm always thinking about the outside in version right if if um in the early days of doing this uh, I just didn't have the bandwidth. I didn't have the resources or the assets in place to both organize it, deal with all the moving parts, do that as an independent, and also be able to have an experience base to see it from the outside in. Now, I do come from being in the rock music world as an independent since the early 90s, even the late 80s. And so we we had a very theatrical band. I was... It was almost like a cabaret, punk rock, jazz thing. And I always wore all kinds of, I wore dresses and robot costumes. And I, sometimes I wore a cowboy costume and it was like a Frank Zappa meets Gwar kind of thing. So that was like, because in those days and then early nineties when we didn't even really have the internet yet, um, we wanted to create these virtual environments. We wanted to be transportive, right? That part has never been lost from me and my crew. And my crew is the same crew that I was basically with back then. It's, it, it is kind of a one-off. Like, I don't want to overstate our importance. I don't want to act like any of that. Like, we're not, you know, but I do want to say that this is a one-off. VRTO is not CES. It's nothing like CES. It's not a small version of CES. It's not... Uh, an aspiring NAB, it's nothing like that. It's its own thing that happens to be in VR and happens to have the word VR in its title. But really, it's um, a bunch of people that have been working together for a really long time who kind of take no prisoners and try to um, push the boundaries and test things. And we care about our audience as if they're part of that show. Like, I know every person name that is registered. I don't know the necessarily in person yet, but I know that they're coming and I'm aware of, you know, to some degree, maybe how they got there or, or something. Mm-hmm. That's obviously impossible when you have a hundred thousand people. But in fact, this year, instead of making the show bigger, you know, there was this thing for a couple of years where every conference was like, we're the biggest in the world or we're the first of its kind or and I was like, this is not a race that you want to play because you're going to eventually lose. Um, so instead of scaling up this year, I said, actually, let's like focus it. Let's focus the beam and let's make it simpler. Let's go from like five stages to one stage. Let's go from 20 tracks to a single track. 
And this was a lot of audience feedback too, because they said, look, if you only, if you have a show that's literally just about VR and AR, then kind of everything is of interest. So by having multiple different rooms, you're kind of shortchanging us all the time. There's always something we want to see. I mean, I was building that on the SIGGRAPH model and thinking it would be fun to have all these different corridors and be exposed to things that you weren't expecting, you know? And so that was just last year's experiment. And I was proud of last year's experiment. This year I said, let's like really focus the beam. Let's get rid of the whole part where we have to try to please um, people coming in off the street, you know? Like we spent four years basically footing the bill to work with our publicists to actually educate a lot of media about the whole jargon of VR, all of the language, all of the parts, all of the whys, the when, the who's. And I was like, we're paying for this. We're paying to educate the, the media and the public about this. Now that's kind of known. Like People are like, yeah, yeah, we get it. We've heard about VR. So that's great. I don't need to do that anymore. Now... I'm like, guys, let's, you know, everybody who's in this thing um, and who kind of just came out of like the trenches after five years and is feeling kind of beat up and exhausted, let's get together, take a breath and recalibrate and go, okay, this is here now. We've come this far and it's a small little universe. Now you have the rest of the massive, beautiful world to reach out to. You've got people who have experiences that are so vastly different. And yet, in some way, they can contribute enormously. And the way to think about that is not like, how are you going to put a VR headset on some person and blah, blah, blah. Wouldn't that be funny or amazing or astounding? Forget that whole notion. People use telephones everywhere on the planet. People use, you know, um, packaged goods anywhere on the planet or FedEx or whatever it could be in any part of the planet. There was another book I read that was really great about how our this idea, this sort of very myopic idea that we have that there's parts of the world that are developing and other parts that are somehow more advanced, that's a fallacy. That's not true of the world anymore. Every part of the world has development that's substantial and advanced. And every part of the world has its problem areas that are, and some that are areas that are just untouched, right? And so this notion of here versus there is, is a fallacy. And VR should be available to anybody in any community, in any bracket, in any income, in any sort of preference for any reason that they want. And in order for us to get that to happen, we have to kind of say, well, how do we get rid of those modes that are exclusive, that are are constrained, that are, are whatever else? So, for example, on my esports panel, I have this woman, Keisha Howard from Chicago, who started Sugar Gamers 12 years ago, and she was focused then on making games available to anybody. You know, like mm -hmm. to, to feel like you could be a part of the gaming community and not have to be a part of some kind of exclusive group or whatever. And she's done really wonderful work with that and she's going to come and talk about how how does vr win over the heartland or the midwest you know how does it get introduced like how does it percolate and and when it does how is there content that speaks to anybody there um 
That's huge. I mean, the the very the very notion of that, right? The the great connector of humans as VR, right? It's this technology, and it's some size it's going to be subsidized. Like uh, I know the Doctor Who experience has like um, some deal with the BBC and uh, British libraries to have it in the libraries. And it's gonna it's gonna affect. It's gonna be available for everybody, and especially the younger generation. And the content, right? If you look at the content, some of the the really interesting content is what you would call underprivileged right it's not like i don't want to see what it's like to um you know to to sit in beverly hills i want to know what it's like to like um live in sub-saharan africa and 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 live the life of a refugee or uh you know uh climbing to the top of a building um when there's security guards after me or whatever you know like this is the 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 human experience diversified and almost uh accessible uh as the the, the actual real experience right and i mean what do we really well, need it's, 360 nothing like, it's nothing like the real experience at all it gives you a window into it the way that maybe um um i don't know some reporting might do but mm-hmm. it, let's admit it like Watching a refugee experience through VR is nothing like the real experience. You see what I mean? And that was the problem that I was, I was having. Is like in a way it draws attention and says, "Whoa!" Like the way that it's like. Let me tell you why I can say this. Not that I have some sort of precipice from which I can say this, but when I was a baby, my mother was an anchor woman on the Latin news in Canada. She was in the. I would be sitting. And I grew, this was like from when I was like three years old till I was like six years old, maybe. And I I would sit in the editing bay and I would watch, you know, this is in the 70s, right? Mm -hmm. I would watch um, the feed of the news that had been brought in from syndication. And then the part of it that they would cut in live to air. And the part that they cut in live to air was the most safe part. The other parts were horrific, you know. They were like blood and just decay and destruction and everything. They'd be like, boom, a couple of shots of, you know, the wreckage after the fact. Mm -hmm. And then it would go back to the talking heads, right? Sure. So so we get these versions that are insights or glimpses at a sense of a place and a time. But you're not there after the cameras go away and what's left over. You know, I have a friend that I grew up with who lives – in um in the Gaza Strip and has and she's on the other side of that wall and she she tweets about it and the point of view is is sobering and so look I, there's this idea that with VR we suddenly understand or under you know we, we've we've seen it and we can relate you can't really relate you can you can you can maybe look at something and be exposed to an idea and that's fair you know what i mean but would you um, i mean how how much would you want to really right it comes back to that breakfast table like you still have to go to work you know you still like as the, the and you know, 
to be to be perfectly fair, um, the the people that have VR are all the one percenters, right? Like this is not the poverty stricken countries oh, yeah. that all of a sudden have VR, right? So they're to like be half of the one percent, yeah. I mean, they're not, I mean, the, not the ones that are experiencing it per yeah. se, but like the ones that own it. It's it's almost the, the the digital the digital version of property ownership, right? Like it's it's access to a tunnel of unlimited property and it's like you have to buy it you don't have to buy it but you if you want it every day you have to have one right there's no other way to enter this portal uh without it right so most of these people right they don't want to lose that you don't want to lose that um privilege of what you've achieved or your family has achieved or whatever it may be right whatever uh, the very the way the 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 cards were dealt, right? Like it's whatever it is that that got uh you to experience VR, and uh that got some people to experience the reality of 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 um you know uh the human horror, right? Of of literally the, I mean, most mathematically the other side of the world like to 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 be more literal in this case is not possible like uh it is it is it is as far from us um and as far from you know both toronto california the whole america right is it is so far from from us that uh and you know if you look at like geopolitically uh, this has been the the um the the comfortable position right of let's um let's not act let's observe right and uh, almost kind of that's what vr lets us do like we will never be able to hop into vr and actually change the real world we won't be able to hop into the gaza strip in vr and then you know well, take apart yeah that i mean wall. the thing is also america lives in a media dome right so it it, it sees what is is being fed into it. And and the, the scary thing is that Facebook created that effect globally. So, you know, I, I, I come to Canada. Canada's got a different media than America does, but I spend most of my time in, in Los Angeles, in Hollywood specifically. I literally live in the place where these things are manufactured and pushed outward. You know, and that's not a mistake, my choice to live like really dead, drop dead center Hollywood. Um, because of that awareness that you're like, I'm being fed the the story. I'm being fed the lead, right, all mm -hmm. the time. And so when Facebook and the Facebook effect kind of went global, uh, you had terrible situations like the one in Myanmar and, and, and these things where you get put into a bubble and are fed lines that are that are that are that are feeding your ideology and everything else, and then they're they're turning up the volume and pouring gas over it, right? We have to be cognizant of these things. So there's another part of this whole thing that we're involved in here in this conference that I'm running and everything that I draw from that has to do with that kind of skepticism and that kind of uh, trying to remain aware of those like machinations. And to, you know, the other thing about VR that's interesting that we have to also acknowledge is in in the first few years of this wave, which eventually will get a name, this era, um, there was that 
want to democratize it because Google was giving out Google Cardboard spec. Mm -hmm. You were just giving out paper versions of this. And if you had a phone, which is almost everybody, you could go on YouTube, also owned by Google, and hold it up to that. And you could go into binocular mode and you could watch experiences made by anybody with any GoPro, which is also a democratization, to you know, see people's point of view literally as they rode down the side of a mountain on their motorbike or did whatever they did. That's still available to anybody who's out there. So like to be fair to anybody who's like, you know, coming in from the outside of this whole thing, it's not that VR is only available to the half of the one of the 1%. It has other ways of being approached. Um, but it'll it'll that's that'll all sort itself out like you know that's the thing is when people say oh vr is dead i'm like you have no idea how um often used that phrase has been to declare the death of this thing but it's not going to go away <laughs> sure sure it, it dies every year it's like oh it's, it's it's dead and now ar is coming uh but i mean yeah. now really interestingly right like when you talk about that it's going to sort itself out um that's I mean, I'm sure it will, obviously, like everything sorts itself out, uh, but how, right? And then you talk about Facebook, uh, and you look at this, literally right now, uh, this time in in human history, right? And it's, it's no... Um, uh, no accident that the history of the future right is written this blake harris book and you look at just recently there was this um uh, brought to my attention this book about like the start of world war one and the uh the economic factors and literally how each country got into it uh really interesting i'm gonna look it up and i'll send it to you but um it it talks about how you know it just started as a little little trade negotiation didn't go right and 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 then uh you know things just escalated into a world war uh and and nobody thought of the implications it's like oh come on this is just you know just this little problem with these two countries um what do you think about Google, uh, you know, really democratizing this this VR early on, getting this going, and and this year, uh, right now in in our human history, you look at Oculus just taking this big step and, uh, you know, kicking Palmer Lucky out. There's uh, Facebook is, you know, widely believed to be essentially as, as close to an evil corporation as we can imagine, right? Google, not that far behind, but for some reason, like a little more democratized. Uh, but these are the two giants. These are the two giants of our modern era. These are like uh, the world, you know, the Axis powers or whatever, uh, and the allied. You know, mm. this is this is them. This is what who either we are fighting with, against, for. Um, you know, these are going to be the sides that we choose. Uh, and it seems like in, in our modern history and literally the history that's being written today as we speak, uh, and VRT is a huge part of that. Um, what do you see about, you know, Google uh, basically taking Daydream um, and uh, um, essentially um, disassembling that or, or shutting that down, having a little bit of Google Glass for, for Enterprise? And then uh, Facebook slash Oculus just taking VR, literally taking all of the zeitgeist on VR. Like, it's hard well, to talk think, about it. Yeah, I think Zuckerberg uh, 
really is a complicated, uh, more complicated individual in some ways than everybody gave him credit for. Um, also, I don't know that there's a precedent for a company like Facebook. Oh, 100%. Like, there's, there's not. This is the crazy thing about like the, the world wars was that there was no precedent for this kind of thing. And there's just, yeah. A lot of this uh, it goes too far, too fast, and then it's too late. Right. Like, what is it when um, and if you look at, um, you know, there's definitely a creator mentality. But when you look at and, and the quest is actually pretty, very easy to develop for. Um, but a lot of it is, is, you know, spectating. A lot of it is um, impressions on ads and, and not as much on the creation. Like they a lot of the, the Oculus tech is, you know. Uh, avatars that are kind of built in a lot of their you know multiplayer code is based on yes um just I know exactly really, what you're yeah, talking about you know it's it's, it's, it's not it's not the makers uh, it's a walled garden and it, what what they're doing is they're subsidizing the headsets so that all of us are in their ecosystem and not in the pimax ecosystem i have a pimax i love the pimax it's an amazing headset um it's got nowhere near the amount of money and reach that Facebook has. Facebook is not even touchable. Even Valve is like struggling to even remotely keep up with, with Oculus at this point. So yes, we're totally cognizant of that fact that they're, they're like, I'll base it. I mean, eventually they'll just be handing them out to you like AOL, right? Mm -hmm. Because that's the market share that they need. And it's a walled garden. Now, some people have no problem with that. Other people will find out that when you buy a Quest, you've got to basically buy all of your games all over again. Um, there's problems. There's a lot of problems with like centralized uh, com commerce that goes on like this. And again, this is a... I'm not shying away from the topic, but I know we've been talking for about two hours, but it's just that um, this is a concern, and this is like one of the key concerns, and this is actually one of the key motivators that I have, and I didn't know in early days of VRTO exactly how it would come or who it would come from, but it's this is a pretty good example of exactly what the reason, the raison d'etre for this thing is, right? Mm -hmm. um, Facebook is like everything that Rushkoff ever talked about, given a name. Sure. Um, and and we got to keep an eye on it and like more than keep an eye on it you got to keep your eye off of it really you got to get your head out of the feed out of the drip it's 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 soma you know and um we have to create the the wedge the antithetical cracks in the in the veneer that allow it to continue to let humanity in and to push back on that thing and yet you have this paradox because that's exactly the company that we needed to create the and accelerate the development of the tech and get it into everybody's hands. So it's that thing I was talking about where you're both in the thing and you have to realize that there's an outside of that thing and you have to be able to be outside of yourself to understand what you are in the middle of that thing. And um, VR is a perfect kind of metaphor for all of those parts and so if you can look at vr and understand vr just philosophically i think that's a great thing to add to all of our consciousness and to not just think of it as like cool christmas product bro but actually that symbolically it is an opportunity right now to have a very very important moment of reckoning and talk to each other and this is the thing i'll tell you lex mm -hmm. um 
and 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 I gotta close, but is is that is that when I decided to ch change my life over to VR, the way that you know all of these people that are in it now kind of just were like, boom, drop everything, I'm doing this. They were kind of hit by a flash. For me, it was, wow, the world is in deep shit right now. Um, what can I do as I hit the midlife point that will have the most impact from what I know how to do? And out of all the things that I thought that I could get into that could have an impact for, for, for transmitting, giving people the, the tools or to convene the conversations that could have a positive impact or an impact at all, uh, I thought VR would be the best place for me to put my effort. It's profound, man. And you, your effort is uh, does not go unnoticed. Uh, and, you know, to everything, there is a cost. There's a cost for hardware, electricity, uh, time. And, uh, you, you know, to be conscious of that and, and to use that time you have on this earth wisely, right? To uh, spend it with each other, with the like-minded creators of of the future right that have um the interest of humanity at heart man uh it, it, thank you for putting this together uh and, and and literally without it there would be one less place of this one less place of real humans uh to get together with real humans uh in a real place uh and it's it's not easy it's not easy to host a dinner party for five or ten people uh definitely not easy to host a, a massive conference at that scale for um you know the thousands that show up um or you know the, the uh tell us a little bit like uh how do we get the tickets uh how do we follow it on instagram and twitter how do we contribute uh if we can't make it yeah thanks for <clears throat> thanks for that question and and i want to say this too um before i give you that that button is Lex, you've always been such a generous, um, encouraging, gracious, and, and knowledgeable guy. And it, it's a really, it's a really good energy to have out there. You know, you're somebody who listens to people. You you always ask intelligent questions that that are based on the thing that those people are trying to communicate. And and your encouragement and your in your ability to bring out, you know, those things out of people is is uh that's that beautiful human element that matters most in all of this. When that's gone, we're all doomed. So I want to give that back to you that I really acknowledge and appreciate what you are in that ecosystem too. Well, thank you, my brother. And it's, it's likewise, right? It's a, it takes two to tango, right? It's, it's not, <laughs> a, I can't do this with a machine, right? I cannot sit here asking a machine questions or such as what you do with Google, right? But no, it's, it's, um, you you are your deeds, right? You are your actions uh, and you have your choice of actions, right? Um, this is just a small action, right? Uh, and everything I do is a small action. And uh, hopefully it all culminates, right? Like you can uh, look back on your whole year and be like, oh, this is what I've done. Uh, and for you, it's actually, uh, it's, 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 it's way more vivid than that. It's actually like an event, like you can actually go to it, uh, which is, I mean, why that I, I can't um, 
uh, I can't promote this enough. Like this is, this is the conference uh, that VR conferences need to be. I mean, you're you've been doing it. You have the right uh, experience and the mindset, uh, and you know, theatrical uh, is is huge. You you don't want to leave a conference bored. You want to have, um, you want to have your mind blown. Uh, and that's exactly what you're doing in, in all the right ways. So, uh, yeah, let's let's get um, more people to uh, know about it to literally make this trip. Because, like you're saying, it's it's a once in a lifetime. This year in VR, this year in VRTO will never happen again. Uh, that's right. And, you know, to miss it is is is, a, is an absolute tragedy, right? To um to to not uh, be in um in in this time in this space um and and the one that you've created so lovingly right like um so yeah i want to get more people to know about it more people to uh um to care and to um what uh to help you with your cause man because it's it, like it's it takes a team right it takes everybody uh to be to see that that gem right to see that uh shining light and be like, yes, that's what we're all go all going to, right? And there's going to be millions of these Vegas conferences that are, you know, that even in those, even in that massive, uh, you know, herd of people, we see each other and we're like, yes, these are the people that I see at the right places um, at the right time. So, uh, yeah, let's, let's, let's make this happen. Let's, let's give people the opportunity. Uh, and, I, and I hope there's still, I know it's um, most of the tickets are sold out. Um, I hope there's still like a few tickets left, um, and it's coming up. So it's like literally, you have to. If you're on, if you're in Toronto, oh, how dare you not not show up? But uh, <laughs> you know, if if you're in the vicinity, um, this is a community that you will forever regret um, not being part of, right? Like to do this alone, to not uh, not do this together, not to miss that connection between real humans that have the same interest. Uh, in this time when this interest is very rare this opportunity this is like you know um to be like you know we're all uh some version of of uh of you know uh children of immigrants or immigrants ourselves uh to waste that to waste everything that our parents have have given us to give us at this day vr like vr is the best that's the best it's it's the best <laughs> phone it's it's the best uh, you know, and it's, it's, it didn't, it didn't, we didn't build it. We didn't, I didn't, I didn't make foveated rendering or, or Fresnel lenses or, uh, LCDs. You ask me to build an LCD, like, good luck. You know, take me a hundred years to figure this thing out. Uh, we stand on the shoulders of giants, right? In every single way, and in, in all of our humanity, literally like the people that have died in wars for us to be here. Uh, and, and to take this opportunity to like, use it for the the best way possible and that's literally what you're doing you're finding uh, the best technology and the, the the best people that have a good understanding of where this world is and where it's going um and you're having these discussions on what is the the, the history of the future right which is happening now right. so, uh yeah it's an well, yeah. honor man. so thank you um it's my pleasure to uh to be able to sort of unpack the, some of these ideas and and to sh and extend you know some of the conversations that i have and it's really like my biggest joy and the thing that like makes up for the time is that every day i get to actually call and talk to these 
brilliant people and these people who've worked so hard and they've made all these discoveries. And so I totally picked the right job. Like it's hard as, as app, but I will tell you that I definitely chose the right job because I get all the smartest and coolest and neatest and most interesting and wonderful people talking to me. And I would never have that opportunity um, so frequently otherwise. And, you know, I do want to say like the show costs something, right? So there might be people who really do want to come and they can't afford to come. And I totally hear that. And I always, this is what I have to say about that. Um, our show is not as expensive as most trade shows. It's about half the price. But we obviously, every single penny that we get goes into this show. We we barely make it out every year. We're doing our best to be to be frugal, to not give out too many crazy comps, and you know, to make sure that my team is given some kind of t return for their time, which is it's it's modest, let me just say. So the thing that can happen is that people understand what we're doing. They don't just think of us as just another you know, thing on the, on the calendar. They realize how spare and, and precious these moments really will be. And thank you for that and helping to explain that. And then obviously the more we're subsidized, the more, you know, we have sponsors, the more we can get grants, the more that we have a team, then the better that we can lower ticket prices, that we can expand the amount of space that there is and so on, right? Because it's not just that we're smaller to focus the beam, it's that we're smaller so we can survive through this this portal that we're going through right now where even though we know that the oculus is going to pop like most people aren't even remotely there yet we're like two three years away from the big money coming in right um we saw a couple of major conferences in vr disappear this year you know we're kind of one of the last ones left standing and i'm not saying that we're on we don't have our our, our back against the ropes it's just that you got to be able to ride, you know, the wave. And so um, I think, again, I think about Eric Davis when he wrote Technosis, he was in, in San Marin, I think, and, and, or he was in Marin County, sorry. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and they sent something, was it San, I don't know if it was Santa Clara where they were, but anyways, they had this one conference about cyber, about the cyber future of the super information highway. And that was the one where you had all those people I mentioned before. You had, you know, Rushkoff, you had Bruce Sterling, you had William Gibson, you had probably Jaron Lanier was there, all of those guys. And they had this talk. And they said, this is, might, might be what happened. It happened one year. The conference never came back. That was the one time. And this kid wrote this book, Technosis, Magic and Memory. And I read that book, and 30 years later, it's still you know, is one of the main things that inspired me to think differently about technology, that it wasn't just a tool in the kitchen that you make toast with, but that it was an expression of something higher that we use to leverage and extend our power. And that's, that's what's going on. So anyways, to get to the, to get to the website and the Twitter account, um, it's, it's VR, Toronto on social media. So at VR Toronto on Instagram and Twitter. The website is conference.virtualreality.to. And we have a meetup that exists in Toronto, which is year-round. So you can always go to meetup.com and and join the VRTO group there for when we do our occasional training or you know 
sort of smaller versions of the show. And then, of course, the Five R's Festival um, is always in Toronto in September, but we're going to start to actually bring satellite versions of that all over the world. We've got a bunch of partners. We're going to start really slowly activating those. Uh, and that's at 5Rs.net, F-I-V-A-R-S.net. Um, just be a part of this thing. Like, just talk to us, be around, communicate with us. Like, we will honestly give our very best to every one of those outreaches. If you don't hear from us, it's because there's just not enough. Because <laughs> you're actually well, busy. Because you're actually a human. You're not. You're not. Yeah. Uh, communicating yes, with machines. We're actually right? human beings that make this. That's <sighs> all there is. To just blood and effort. Oh, that's incredibly generous. Uh, yeah, and I, I, I've been personal witness to how generous you've been uh, with your time and and your effort and building teams. Uh, and look, if you're in. Um, if you're in this community, this is community supported. This is very much uh, a Kickstarter model. There's not many people that even know what VR is or care. If you're in VR, AR, XR, and you want to support a, a genuinely amazing cause, become a sponsor. Like help help some um, some students get comps. Help help this uh, this cause along because if you don't. Uh, it's not going to uh it's not going to be able to compete like you look at facebook doing a conference they buy all of san jose there's literally the half of the city within a five mile radius of the uh the conference is all facebook parties uh for for this group or that group uh and and this is this is literally the the world war for for your attention this is the the last uh the last resistance before uh you're no it's it's very true and you see it happening it's true that's why i left because it's the last resistance i really think that this media wave is going to be one of the last um the last points of origin where we're at the front of it and we have a say in the matter um before it's it's faster than us it's too fast for us um you know I don't want to open up a whole new can of worms, but I do think that, I do think that um, I'm an optimist. I think life in a lot of ways is better than it's ever been for, for more people than it ever has. And there's more there to support it, even though things look like really terrible. And I also think that we're at the very precipice of our absolute destruction. Um, so it's, it's that irony of, you know, man, just when they had figured it out, <laughs> you know, they blew it. And it's, you know, but I'm a, I'm a pragmatist as much as I am an optimist. I'm not a hopeful person, but I'm somebody that will try to do what I can to try to keep the thing going. So I do not disagree with you that it is kind of the last resistance that can crack, get its, get its like, you know, foot in the in the in the dam uh before it's too late before you won't hear it anymore yeah oh and there there could be no better cliffhanger like i can literally cannot wait to uh you know listen to this conversation continue at, at vrto because this is exactly uh kind of um a good trailer for it right if you if you want to uh get into this for the next like three days uh in early june get into vrto because this is the conversation that may never happen again uh probably absolutely will like absolutely will, will not like uh like you're saying um this is a, a point in time this is a point in history 
when they were coming out with the internet, they had uh, one major historic conversation and never again. And, and to this day, it's, you know, everything is influenced by that. So everything will be influenced by VRTO and, and, and uh, the, the thought leaders that you bring together. So uh, if, if you can make it, uh, make it there, Karam, you've already made it. You've made it. They will come. So um, uh, thank you for, for being so generous with your time and, and your effort uh, and, and literally bringing this whole community forward. Uh, anything else you want to share? I know you're, you have to, you know, actually continue building out this conference. I'm going right back to work right now. But I'm, I want to say thank you to, to you. I want to say thank you to all of the speakers who are actually the ones that bring their ideas and their the ones that, you know, they don't get paid enough to do what they do if they ever get paid. And they're the ones that are, are out there spreading the word and picking up the pieces and then synthesizing those thoughts. And I want to thank all the startups that have been taking that risk and putting everything on the line just to show you their demo and they hope that you get it. And they're the ones that towed the line these first five years. They're the indie developers, the game developers that came up with the brilliant ideas that created Vacation Simulator and Blade uh, Beat Saber and and uh, Sound Boxing and and Light Blade Trainer and all of those other little parts that came in along the way that got us to this point. Um, those are the people that should never ever get forgotten, and that I hope that even though it's great and I'm happy that Blake, who's a great writer, wrote History of the Future, that there are many more books written about all of these other people and all of these other parts that were here before we forget them too. And that's the last thing I got to say. Yeah, there's definitely no more interesting time to be alive than the present. Uh, and uh, thank you. Thank you for being such a huge part of that. Uh, literally this conference, VRTO, uh, which you do throughout the year uh, and the culmination of that uh, is is the uh, uh, the pinnacle of, of our uh, virtual existence uh, in the best way. So, man, thank you so much. I'll let you get back to uh, b basically building this thing out, making the, the uh, final prep decisions, uh, getting this thing together for, for all of us um, and, and from all of us, from the entire community, man, our greatest appreciation, our, our, um, our thank you, because... Uh, it is. It takes somebody to build it for us to show up, right? Uh, for us to um, have a place, uh, for for somebody to have the right mindset to to build it, and and have the right mindset to uh, invite the right speakers and create the the right conversation. So, dude, this has been the greatest uh, what hour and a half uh, of this podcast, man. So so thank you, dude. And uh, hopefully we'll, we'll continue uh, afterwards. I mean, there's so many uh, topics that we've kind of touched upon. And uh, it's, you've been a, a great guest, man. I, I can't thank you enough. Uh, so please, uh, thank you all for listening. And uh, definitely go to VRTO. Uh, get into this conference. Uh, get Make your way over there. It is, it is a life changer. Uh, so I hope this has been enjoyable and your life has changed. Thank you for watching the uh, listening to the XR podcast. We'll